Trishina Kirpalani is a 21-year-old DJ from Mumbai, India, who started her career at the mere age of 16. Her journey of self-discovery is much more than overcoming a drug addiction and a drug relapse. How is it to be at a nightclub for most of your work hours? Is it sustainable income? What are the problems that DJs of Bombay face? All your questions are answered in this episode. Hope you like it. Hi, Trishina. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How was your event this weekend? It was actually really good. I had two events. Both mm-hmm. went really well. And so. like this is uh, this is not after long, right? The lockdown came and then again y'all resumed and then again the lockdown was there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's been since March that I hadn't played and now everything started up again. Right. And they have a 10, 10 p.m. cap limit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because apparently COVID doesn't exist uh, till 10 o'clock. Yeah. But um, now now that's uh, become 12. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, because I saw a story where it was showing 3 or 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. And I was just yeah, like... Oh. Doesn't really make any I know, sense. But... I know. As long as it's happening, I'm right. Happy. Yeah, I mean, you must have like got all your energy high back because this is a long yeah. period that you know you're not doing something that you love. So then, what did you do during this whole time that you were at home? Yeah, so I actually I've been going through a lot of like mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So I took a break to like work on myself. Um, I took this time to practice, like get back on track with my music so I don't lose touch for when stuff like starts okay. up again. Um, I did like my hobbies, which is like fitness and like sports and mm. animals, just like volunteering at, uh, you know, shelters and feeding stray dogs, right. actually spending time with my family. And yeah, I've actually had a pretty good break, but right. I'm happy to be back now. Yeah. So when you said get back to music, what did you mean? Like uh, to be in touch with it, like used to play at home or something? What was it? Like? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have a console at home and I have to like, I mean, there's new music coming up all the time. Right. right? So you have to keep up with the trends and the new music. So constantly downloading those, making playlists, then Mm -hmm. seeing what goes with what. So yeah, it it is quite a bit. I'm actually pretty glad I got that break to, you know, be able to like work on it and come back better. Yeah. So um, would you say that over time, this is a profession where you gain more experience and then what you would say take um, at 16, what you would take say, half an hour to make a particular playlist now you can do it in say 10-15 minutes is it something like that so making playlists is something I don't think like it can ever like take like less time Hmm. um it depends so like depends on what you're going for for me like I love making playlists okay and I can go on for hours so um yeah and I'm okay with that I'm very happy to do that um, but experience-wise, definitely, like, uh, I, I'm at a completely different point in my career than I was right. when I was 16. Mm. Um, now, when I look back, I feel like I actually sucked. Like, I don't know how I was getting gigs 
when I was like playing oh my back God. then. But, this is yeah, very... you learn. No, this is very relatable because when I started out the podcast in the first two, three episodes, I'm so embarrassed of them. I'm like, I don't yeah, know exactly. how I got like these many views. I think it was just my friend saying, okay, okay, she, you know, she's done something. Let's just support her. Yeah, even mine was purely support. I don't see how anyone could have enjoyed what I was doing back then. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like that's how you've grown. And now that you're reflecting on it, that's yeah. that's great. So I can see yeah, a, a board there, what's written on it. Yeah. It says... A house is not a home without a pug. Oh, <laughs> so do you have? Do you have a pet? Yeah, I have a pug, and uh, yeah, I got him like he's around like almost ten years old now. Wow! When yeah. you grow up with a pet, it's like uh, more than I would say equal to a family member, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He's my little brother. <laughs> Okay, so um, coming back to when you performed first, you were only 16. Uh, how did it feel yeah. like? What was your first event? Where was it? And how did you feel? Um, so it was at this club at Kamla Mills. Uh, it's called Play. And for like my first gig, it was a pretty big opportunity for me to be playing there. And um, I was like super nervous. Uh, uh, like abnormally no anxious yeah, yeah I was so so nervous and um I sat for days like preparing a set and practicing and everything and obviously it was my first time so I was told I would be playing the opening set which is around like 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock like that kind of set where people are like just coming in they're drinking mm. so it's not like I'm playing the main set when everyone's dancing and stuff right. And they told me like what kind of music I should be playing for a big name, for an opening set. Mm. So I went prepared with, you know, that kind of music, not like music people would like want to dance to. And um, firstly, I showed up there. Uh, I had forgotten my headphones at home and all that rush and nervousness. Um, but I had my pen drive, so I borrowed like the resident DJ's headphones and my family, when they came, they got my headphones with right. them. Um, and I ended up playing nothing that I had practiced because I was expecting there to be like very less crowd and no like dancing crowd. But when I entered, like it was packed and like everyone was on the dance floor. Oh my God. So I was like, even more nervous and I was like I've, I'm not prepared for this and I didn't expect it um, but then I ended up just playing whatever I felt like the crowd was vibing with mm. um, and it went fine I mean I wouldn't say I played well now when I look back but, um, but back it was your then, first time uh, right yeah. yeah for sure and I mean I kept the crowd dancing and everything and mm. they called me back as well so uh you know for another night so I guess I wasn't that bad new one <laughs> um, yeah but yeah it was it was a pretty memorable yeah. gig so after that gig did you realize that you know this is the thing and this is what I want to do or you had made a decision before that yeah, I sort of made a decision before that. Mm. But obviously with time and, you know, uh, 
like just the feeling of controlling a crowd and music is something i've been passionate about like for years since i was right. really young and to just be able to do that and like make people dance and you know like have a good time and all of that is being done by me mm. um is just like a feeling i can't ever like describe right. and like the adrenaline like you know just yeah. yeah everything about it is just like i feel like it's for me and um yeah like when i thought about it the first time to like even just the thought of it really intrigued me and like want like pushed me to you know try it out right and as soon as i did like i pretty much knew that you know i want to do this for the rest of my life so your family supported you but like uh, did you get any you know comments from society or something that you know what are you doing uh, plus you left uh, studying at uh, after the 12th right which in yeah. india is oh my god yeah, how big thing yeah. yeah so um, support like i got from all over mm-hmm. um most from like my family and friends and everything like um I feel like even about the college thing like I did get a lot of support a lot of just um questions to make sure I know what I'm doing mm. out of just concern um of just like you know what if it doesn't work out right. like you should have a backup and some were just also like you know you have the privilege to you know be educated and there are a lot of people that don't have that opportunity and you should like take that and make the most mm-hmm. of it um but i was like if i'm doing that um it's going to be a waste because right. it's something i'm not interested in mm-hmm. and it's going to be a waste of my time and waste of like at like you know someone right. else could you rather leave that. that seed for someone else yeah exactly yeah um but everyone understood where i was coming from plus i mean now that my career has been like picking up um you know everyone sort of like a little more confident and mm. you know uh, they're not doubting me as yeah. much maybe because back then i was like the only one um so confident like i was like no i like there's no chance of it not working out like right. i will make sure it works out and that's all i want to do and like i really feel like i was born to do this and the way it fell into place like i feel like that it it just happened for a reason right and um i mean a degree is something you can get at any age like if it doesn't work out god mm. forbid then i can get right. a degree after like there's no age limit mm. for that so i'm not like everyone sort of understood and mm. i have all the love and support right plus i think at um, what age you started it's like the prime time of your life and if you don't take decisions and go ahead with that go get it kind of attitude at that time then you're going to have that regret for the rest of your life and exactly. it's and if opportunities are there your way then you need to seize them if you don't then you're yeah. only to blame yeah so i 100% exactly. agree yeah so um as you started with 16 17 18 then slowly slowly did you incorporate certain personality traits just to identify yourself more with the the general identity of a dj 
um so growing up and you know just as like a teenager in general before i started mm-hmm. djing um i've always been a socialite mm-hmm. um i've actually been told that i have a dj persona way before i began djing wow um yeah so i think like the personality also just fit right. um i didn't really have to move anything around um definitely like had to take a lot of shit that like like usually i'm someone who doesn't take shit from anyone mm-hmm. with people i work with mm-hmm. and you know people who come for my events i can't really say what i usually would say mm-hmm. um but yeah like personality wise definitely not um but then like when the drugs came in that mm. did play a pretty big role in me identifying as the dj right so could you tell us how you started into that dark phase and how it turned out eventually yes yeah, so um i started out when i was 15 um my dad passed away because of cancer when i was uh, when i was 14 um and he was sick for seven years before this happened um and when i was 15 i don't know i can't remember what made me try it right. but i guess it was just like um you know escape curiosity okay as the you know what it's like mm. and when i first started i wasn't doing it to you know make it a habit or anything it was purely just you know i'm just trying it once mm-hmm. at that point and i tried it and i like the f- feeling i felt and how i instantly liked it that scared me a lot because the day after i was like i want to do it again and i want to do it again Right. and um i was so scared of getting addicted um that i made sure like i did it in moderation as much as i could mm. and at that point like there were barely like two three people my age who were doing it so it's not like i had many opportunities to do it right um but by the time i turned 16 and i became a dj it's like at every gig you know mm. i had an opportunity to do it and i sort of just felt like you know it was an escape in some sort of way um to get over like everything i'd been through mm. and basically just like smoking weed what it does it it's like it makes you not care so that sort of like helped me right. but also was a big uh played a big role in me drifting apart from my family mm-hmm. and not caring about things i actually should care about and right. do care about right now being sober so um yeah so like i got way more into it by the time mm-hmm. i was 16 um by the time i was 17 it became my entire lifestyle I was, you know, waking up every day and doing it. Um I was out from say if I'd leave the house at night, I'd be back by like 7 a.m. I'd rarely see my family. Um and I'm a 
like big family person like i would like ditch my friends to hang out with my right. family because they are all like super cool and like i you know really get along with them my friends would like pile on to like my family plans because like we'd have so much fun mm. so um then it became like i completely drifted apart from my family and every time there was like a family dinner i'd show up like hi um i wouldn't even be able to make conversation and i'd always show up like an hour late i'd go there like eat my food and leave again to go like i'd leave early again to go get high did um, anyone in your family have an idea about this at that time so my siblings knew i had done it a couple of times mm. but they had never caught me high because of the way my daily routine was i'd come home at 7am mm. and sleep till 5 in the evening and by then they'd be out or Got like it. you know doing yeah. something and by the time i woke up i'd obviously be sober so mm. if i did bump into them they didn't really have right. an idea god and i'd leave the house again by like 8 and then again i'd be like smoking and i wouldn't come home until like you know 7am again Mm-hmm. so i really see them for them to know you know what was up mm-hmm. and they'd always ask me like you know have you been smoking up and like mm-hmm. um have you been in control and you know we trust that you won't make any like stupid mistakes and mm-hmm. everything and i was like yeah, yeah of course like completely convinced them my mom had absolutely no idea okay she was sort of like uh, suspicious about it but um every time she asked me i obviously denied, denied it right. so yeah so then um 17 to 18 that was your lifestyle and uh, yeah when you were 19 an incident took place so tell us about yeah. it yeah so um i started you know um popping like Xanax and stuff like here and there pretty often it became like a everyday thing at one point um and then lockdown happened and um i like stocked up on my stash and everything beforehand because i knew i wouldn't be able to get out of the house and so i was wondering you know like how am i going to be able to get high um and home without my family knowing right. but somehow i figured a way like if it was like just going out into the corridor outside my house or waiting till everyone fell asleep mm-hmm. and then doing it so i always figured a way and one night i was sleeping in my room and i was on call with um a friend uh and we were like smoking a joint together and um i can't even remember actually if i had popped a pill or not but i'm pretty sure i had and we were talking and i was like really really high and somehow like we decided that we'd make edibles at home so i mean just in case anyone doesn't know what that is it's basically drugs in food and then you like eat it and you get high so um so i decided to do that and the thing is i anyway i'm very bad like in the kitchen and in general like 
if I'm that bad, like imagine like me not being in my senses trying to make something. Right. Yeah. And um, so I went to the kitchen and I put it in the microwave, like you know I was heating it up and it was almost ready. And suddenly, like a lot of smoke started coming out of the microwave, and like somehow the gas was making a noise and. when i opened the microwave like all the smoke just came out and there was like a beeping noise and everything and i panicked so i quickly ran and i woke my help up and i asked them to like like you know just check it out and they realized i had put a spoon in the microwave so that's what caused it and obviously i didn't know what i was mm-hmm. doing so i must have done that without realizing and um they checked on the gas and they checked everything and everything was fine but and then i like you know they saw me seeming a little weird mm. but they and they asked me if i was okay and i was like yeah don't worry like go to sleep because i'd woken them up with such a start right that you know i also felt bad so i was like you'll go back to sleep i'm fine and all of that and i um I was just standing there and suddenly like the paranoia completely took over me and everything just went black and then I wake up on the kitchen floor with my mom and my sister like screaming and running towards me and I quickly got up with a start because you know I didn't even know what had happened right. and I was just about to fall again because <clears throat> my knees were so weak and my sister caught me and um you know they dragged me to the room and like i had this terrible pain at the back of my head mm. and my help was talking to my mom before and told her like you know whatever happened while my sister was taking me to my room mm. and they told her that you know they were about to walk away but um they were about to walk away and they saw that uh, you know they heard me fall and um basically i had fallen like i blacked out fell hit my head on the kitchen door and then fell flat and hit my head on the marble floor so okay. that explained mm-hmm. like the you know the pain at pain the back the of head. my head and everything yeah and then um my mom and my sister like took me to my room i couldn't walk at all like i had to be carried my legs were jelly and um i almost fell out of my window because i lost balance and so they like immediately like sat me down right then and um i was so dizzy i couldn't see anything i threw up after that and uh they had no idea like what had happened but then they like saw my bed and all my stash was lying out my pills were lying out so mm-hmm. obviously you know they right. found out then and they carried me onto my bed and everything and um i was just like crying and i was constantly um apologizing to them because i you know i, I didn't even know what to say mm-hmm. at that point like um and i just felt like such a disappointment at that point and um they were like they were like they didn't even ask questions like they just want to make sure i was okay okay and um 
my mom was like really scared i had a concussion so she was like staying up the whole night just like checking my temperature and making sure i'm fine and she was just praying the entire night like she couldn't sleep after what had happened my sister was also like pretty traumatized by it and um before i slept like um i just had this like terrible feeling that i'm not going to wake up the next day um and i was like really scared to sleep like i was like what if i don't wake up mm-hmm. and um in case i didn't i just told them that like you know i love you guys and i'm like so sorry mm-hmm. and i'm someone who's never been really scared of death um i feel like if it's your time it's your time but in that moment i was so scared because i was like this is the last way i ever want to die and i i was like how could i do this to mm-hmm. like my family um and then finally like i fell asleep and mm-hmm. obviously woke up the next morning um and then um i i just like i couldn't face my family i like mm-hmm. absolutely didn't know what i could say to them mm. so i just sat in like a dark room the entire day and in the start i was you know i was like blaming god and i was like why like why me like why did this have to happen to me and um you know i i was just like so angry at that point um but within like the other half of the day i was actually thanking god and i was like um you know i'm glad that this happened because i was so addicted that, and there was like no way i would have been able to stop mm-hmm. unless something drastic like this happened and luckily something like this happened but i ended up like you know i i wasn't hurt mm-hmm. and i didn't get a concussion like you know Thank there was God, no yeah. bleeding nothing and i was like completely fine after but i also got that like wake up call of like you know i need to stop and i felt like because of how scared i was the night before mm-hmm. i felt like um i was given a second chance at life and i was like i'm never going to disappoint my family like that again right. and of course like I, there was like sort of an intervention after where they just explained to me that this can't happen again and they made me promise like i'm never going to go back to that again and there's a lot that could have gone wrong and mm-hmm. i was i got really lucky so after that like i stopped and mm-hmm. then th- so this happened last year and then um i just started like journaling and it really helped me and during the lockdown it was like yeah right after this incident um so there was a lot that was going on with me before this happened in those like two years that i was doing it every day there was a lot going on in my head yeah so yeah so basically as much as it helped me and as much as i you know was enjoying myself and having fun and you know partying and mm. all of that in those years that i was mm. like doing drugs um the, like deep down i just i like i hated the fact that i did it so much 
and I hated the fact that I was so dependent on it. Like right. sometimes I wouldn't be able to sleep if I wasn't high. I found it from being like such a socialite. I found it hard to be able to make conversation with new people or get to know people if I wasn't high before. Okay. Um, I've always loved going for movies. Like every week, I take my brother. So my brother is autistic, and he's like someone who's like very close to my heart. And um, you know, I love him like a lot. And um, I'd always take him out for movies. Like that was our thing. Um, but then it became like every time, the few times actually, because I stopped going with him after a point. The few times I'd go, I was like high, and um, he takes time to understand things. Yeah. So every time I take him for a movie, I would be explaining the movie to him, mm-hmm. and you know, taking him through everything. And right. you know, that was like our time together. But whenever I was high, I'd go and I wouldn't even be paying attention. So he loves Bollywood and I'm not at all a Bollywood fan. Okay. Um, Bollywood for him is easy to understand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he enjoys it and he's a very big fan of it. And even though I didn't, I don't like Bollywood that much. Whenever I'd go um, for movies with him, I would pay attention only so that I could explain things to him. Nice. but when I started going when I was high I wouldn't even be watching the movie I mm-hmm. wouldn't be understanding anything because I was out of my senses and I wouldn't even make half an effort to you know make conversation with him or anything yeah. and that so all of these things I used to do um, I was aware of it like I was aware of everything how much I had slowed down how much I had drifted apart from my family, how I stopped doing everything I love. My stamina became so bad. I couldn't even go to the gym anymore. I mm-hmm. couldn't play any sports. And even if I could, like in that time, if I had like free time, I'd choose to get high instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot that was happening that I was aware of. Like, even for example, mm-hmm. when I was hanging with my friends mm-hmm. um, and we would like say talking like most of our conversations would be about drugs and you know I'd sit there sometimes and be like you know like is this all that we have to talk about Mm -hmm. like there's so much more like to life and so much more we can talk about But, but every time we met like and they'd always be like glorifying it but never once did I ever you know, um, glorify it or talk highly about mm. smoking weed or like right. doing drugs. Because for me, it was something that got me through a hard time. Mm. And um, it helped me to a point where after I started doing it so much, I like it had more power over me and mm. I couldn't get myself to stop even though I really wanted to. So I was actually battling like with myself for like a long time. A lot of Um, inner conflict throughout this period. Exactly. Yeah. And so many times like a thought would come into my head of like, my dad must be watching me right Mm -hmm. now and he must be so disappointed. And, you know, I don't want him to see me like this. And on one hand, I must be making him proud by, you know, 
DJing and right. making a career for myself. But then I'm going ahead and doing this. Mm. And um, all I wanted to do was like make him proud. And I actually started therapy um, when I was 17 to, in fact, stop smoking up, to find a way to stop. Okay. Um, because I, I, I like love the feeling, mm. but I didn't like the fact that I was doing it I knew what I was doing was wrong I didn't like the person I became at Mm. all like I changed so much and you you know how like I've never been interested in studies Mm. but I was never dumb I just was lazy and disinterested but when I started smoking weed so much then I realized what dumb what like being dumb is like because I wouldn't understand anything. I had slowed down so much. Comprehension and all. Um, Yeah, 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 I I was like, I was so slow at that Mm -hmm. point that, you know, I was like, I can't believe I thought that I was dumb back then. Feel degraded like like your own self. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, and I would literally call myself a degenerate. Like, I'd be like, you know, so many times I'd be like, what am I doing with my life? Like, you know, I can be doing so much in this time that I'm, mm. you know, smoking and like I can do so much with my life. I can save so much money. Like right. I began DJing um, and my one of my main priorities was that I wanted to provide for my family mm. and I never kept the money that I earned for myself. I never bought anything with that money. All that money went to my mom and all that money was used by my family mm. but after a point all that money was being used on my on drugs mm. and I was like what is the point like it's all going to waste right. I'm earning for literally nothing mm. and all of this used to bother me so much like it used to get to me a lot and because of that I would try to detox at least because to me quitting seemed impossible mm. I was like, there's no way I'll be able to quit. This is something I'm going to have to do for the rest of my life, whether Mm. I like it or not. But um, I was like, you know, maybe like a detox here and there, just so I feel good Mm. about myself, you know, in that one week. Um, You know, I thought I'd give it a try, but I never lasted more than one day without it. I, you know, I couldn't, Mm. I couldn't function without it. And that still didn't stop me from trying like if I said I was detoxing for a week then you know if I gave in um not very long after I try again and I what about your friend circle at that time if you told them that you know this week I'm just trying to detox did they keep up with you and checked on you that you know are you going to do it or were they like you know you know you're not you're not gonna do it yeah so um my core group like the friends who I've grown up with like mm-hmm. they're literally like family to me um they all do exactly what I used to um even till now okay. um but back then they were they knew like how much it used to bother me so mm-hmm. they didn't care how it affected their lives they didn't mm-hmm. like like I said they would glorify it and right. Like they actually really like it. Like 
some people I know have like tattoos of like a marijuana leaf and mm-hmm. you know just very extreme yeah. but um, they have like this real love for the drug mm-hmm. and feel like after they started doing it they became better and mm-hmm. you know they have a completely different um, perspective of it than I did but they knew my perspective because I was very open about it a lot of times I would suddenly like like start freaking out being like guys what are we doing with our lives and like um you know like like this is all we do this is all we talk about mm. so they knew like I used to freak out about it and mm. it used to bother me a lot so they were very supportive like they obviously try to get me to stop and like like I mean get me to stop if I said that I was detoxing but the way I wouldn't realize how I would fight for it when I wanted it um and they also after a point had no say because I mean I could go home and do it myself if not with them they couldn't physically stop me or they couldn't really do anything about it Mm. um and I would like get aggressive or Mm. you know get like really angry Mm. and manage to get my way and I wouldn't even realize it in the moment in the process right um yeah so I mean like they would try their best but I mean there was nothing much that they could do mm-hmm. and after say a year of me constantly saying I'm gonna detox and you know I'm gonna take a break and it not happening it sort of just became a joke like mm-hmm. um, if I said like I'm detoxing they'd be like yeah, yeah we'll see how long that lasts or mm-hmm. you know okay. um, like that's how like I just couldn't go without it right so when so when you spoke about detoxing um did you speak to your therapist about it that you know I'm trying to do it I want to work towards it so did that help yeah of course I mean we come up with plans Hmm. on if not detoxing how I can cut down how I can you know um try to get some work done because Mm -hmm. I felt so unproductive Mm -hmm. in that time and um practicing and uh, you know putting Mm -hmm. um like prioritizing my work and my career was like something I used to do um so much and completely stopped doing when I was smoking so one thing is I never um like I never DJed high um I always kept that aside from my Mm -hmm. work um because actually some say that it makes them more creative when mm. they um when they like get high I think it's for any performer or, like uh, you know yeah any like creative when you are on stage creative. yeah exactly yeah um and because of how much I didn't like my dependency on uh drugs I was mm. like the last thing I want is to be dependent on it for my career because then there's no way I'll get off it Mm. and even though it never worked like me getting off it I still had hope that you know one day Mm. I might um but I didn't want to be stuck in that dilemma Mm. of you know I can't perform without it because then how would I ever stop right Mm. so um yeah I'd work with my therapist and say like you know if I practice um you know half of the the beginning half of the day then I can reward myself with you know 
smoking or you know yeah just like mm-hmm. figuring any way around it going cold turkey or then you know making like a routine and trying to stick to it and mm-hmm. maybe every alternate day you know stuff like that but nothing ever worked and mm-hmm. even my therapist i mean there's only so much he could do right and no. yeah it was all like it's all in my hands after mm-hmm. a point so so then during the lockdown you took that time uh, and you wrote your book smokes and mirror so could you tell yeah, us a little bit about, yeah yeah so um after that whole incident happened i um started journaling like i said and uh i realized like how much it helped me and you know writing became my coping mechanism at mm-hmm. that point and like i sort of just like went from journaling to writing about my life and it started off as just like you know all just the like downs like mm-hmm. all the bad parts of life mm-hmm. and then i started reflecting on all like the good and all the things i have to be grateful for mm-hmm. and i joined those together in a way to you know have people be able to relate if they've been through something right. similar so like laws you know addiction mm. um i even spoke about my identity and my sexuality because i came out um as bisexual like mm. a year ago okay. so you know talking about mm. that and then the incident and just like uh you know my last chapter is just basically like you know to like be brief like shit happens but you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel and mm-hmm. if you like keep going like you know you can get better mm-hmm. and just giving hope to people to not give up mm-hmm. um because i've been like at rock bottom and you know had so many thoughts of just giving up mm-hmm. but luckily i kept going and you know now i've got my life on track right so i started writing that and i made like a couple of people read it because mm. it sounded sort of like a book at that point mm. and everyone was like this is like amazing like you, you should need to publish like it. publish yeah. this mm. and you know like you could help and inspire a lot of people mm. and that's something i've wanted to do like my entire life just help like um as the much as i can give out and a taker yeah 100% like and just like make a difference in whatever way i can mm-hmm. even if i'm making a difference to one stray animal or right. stray dog's life it means the world to me and i'm sure like you know it's changing their whole world too exactly so when i decided to publish the book i said that um even if it helps one person mm-hmm. like the purpose of my Your book is, is like achieved, my yeah. goal is yeah that's all i want mm. and it like the response i got from it like felt like amazing like a lot of people reached out to me after mm. you know like telling me that they've been through similar things and this book gave them hope mm. or you know people scared to come out um you know mm. made made right. them feel like you know a lot of good mm. can like give them a little like 
you know, scared them a little yeah. less. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, even like people addicted to drugs and, you know, just substances mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. you know, reached out to me telling me that this book gave them hope to stop. And right. it like, I this book is like, you know, ma- like my goal has been accomplished. Like what I've wanted my whole life, mm-hmm. like, I got that through this book and now I'm taking like any opportunity to like share my story so that I can help as many people like as possible. Right. So um, just coming back to the incident, did it, uh, did this condition relapse? Uh, why, when, how, like if you could tell us. Yeah. So I, I stayed sober for around two months Mm -hmm. um, after not being able to be sober for even a day. And um, after those two months, and actually in those two months, I wouldn't say I was completely clean. I had taken like a few drags here and there, but nothing compared to, it was still like progress. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't completely Mm. over it on the right track Mm. but um I was getting there and uh I basically went through like a pretty bad heartbreak Mm -hmm. um like in like sort of at the end of those two months and because um you know drugs has always been my coping mechanism I felt like there was nothing I could do to feel okay Mm-hmm. and that's when I relapsed and it was a lot of back and forth again I was just going in circles I relapsed then I realized again that you mm-hmm. know this is not what yeah. I want so again I'd stop for like say a week or two mm-hmm. until again I'd given somehow because say I was not okay and at that point I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression um, so even just dealing with that, um, you know, took took a bit like of a toll on me. Toll on you, right. um, yeah. Just to be told that you know you're depressed at mm-hmm. that point, it just sounded really bad to me. But you know, now I'm like completely acceptive of it, and like mm-hmm. I, you know, I it's not as bad as everyone makes it seem, and not even half as bad as I thought. And um, it's better to know and get help than, you know, try to fight it on your own because mm. that just, like, makes it worse. So because of that, I, you know, resorted back to it. And then I, I'd stop again and mm. I'd start again saying that, you know, just giving, like, trying to convince myself that, I'm not half as bad as I was before. Before I was doing it every single day. I was so mm-hmm. dependent on it. Now I'm only doing it like say three, four times a week. Mm-hmm. And I stuck to that for a bit. But then again, it became an everyday thing. Right. And finally, after a point, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm like so tired and so done mm-hmm. with this that I'm just gonna make up and actually like my family again had no idea that I I had relapsed because um after that incident I Mm. promised them I was like I'm not gonna go back to it Mm. if not for my sake then for your sake and um I couldn't I couldn't like I didn't have the heart to 
tell them mm-hmm. or you know worry them like before mm-hmm. and put them through that again so i like hid it from them and you know that's how i felt like i'd become better because i wasn't doing it at home i only do it when i was out and mm. i you know at some points like when i relapse i'd be like okay only on occasions mm. so like friends birthdays or if we were going out clubbing or something but then every day became an occasion somehow i'd find some excuse to do it mm. and finally in jan i sort of made uh, my new year's resolution that i'm going to quit and i'm going to give it my all and the first few days of jan i went extra hard doing all of this stuff because i was like i'm never going to do it mm-hmm. again and i'm just going to do it all for like 3 4 days and then that's it then mm-hmm. i'm done for life so on the 6th of jan i completely quit and that was the last time i ever took a drag of a joint or ever did any drug and um so now it's been like 9 months mm-hmm. and i literally never ever thought i would get to i i started off not being able to be sober for mm-hmm. a day um to then you know two months and now it's been nine mm-hmm. months wow. and i've been so much healthier mm-hmm. so much more productive so much better and i've made it so far and i know for a fact like i'm never going to go back right so did yeah. you face any withdrawal symptoms yeah a lot actually mm-hmm. um so the 6th of jan when i decided you know i'm not going to mm-hmm. um i stayed home for a month straight mm-hmm. um because in all these years that i was doing it um my entire social circle became stoners and druggies mm. and you know everyone who's like into that stuff right and actually at like my age group and in like um south bombay at least uh there's like very few people that don't do drugs or don't smoke up yeah. or i'm pretty sure there's not mm. even one person that hasn't tried it right uh mm. if not like does it every day mm. but um yeah so i knew for a fact that it would make it way harder for mm. me if i was going out and meeting people that do it and mm. i actually like had gigs like gig opportunities that month too but being in that environment mm. i knew yeah. it wouldn't be would easy for me right right exactly so i i didn't even do that and that one month i stayed home i was just doing reflections working on my mental health mm. getting you know back into fitness and mm. you know working out volunteering at shelters doing all of that keeping myself busy but i had sleepless nights mm. um i would feel nauseous here mm. and there never actually threw up but you know yeah, sensation and heart yeah i found it hard to eat because i would always get high and then mm. eat and like i just it just didn't feel the same mm. to me um and of course like headaches irritability i would be snapping all the time 
um i had headaches here and there um and yeah like that's about it but mm-hmm. yeah and also like my mental health also got like pretty bad and mm-hmm. i found it really hard to cope with right. anything bad after that without a substance your escape yeah um yeah so mm-hmm. now luckily like i've i've gotten over that mm-hmm. and i don't need that anymore so yeah that yeah. like that lasted like a month but mm-hmm. now you know now there's no withdrawals very less like temptation mm-hmm. when so i'm what like if you see someone and, yeah or someone offers you or something i've been offered like so many times i've right. been in a room filled with people mm-hmm. you know smoking in a hot box in fact and me being the only one not doing it and i've yeah. stood my ground yeah oh. i've not given in mm. i to the point where now i'm used to it mm. and it like it doesn't bother me as such before it would really bother me um and it would be really hard for me and i'd get cravings and i'd mm. be really tempted but not anymore okay and uh, so now you what do you do do you do kickboxing i think i saw a post on your instagram with boxing gloves then basketball i've been seeing so what sport do you like and enjoy yeah so i have been playing basketball like almost my entire life mm-hmm. um when my dad was sick i'd go play at this one court and that was the only time i was like Happy. completely fine mm-hmm. yeah like nothing on my mind just right. completely fine um and now that's what djing is for me mm-hmm. when i'm in that zone nothing else matters to me um and uh, like i've been like into fitness also mm-hmm. from a very young age so i go to the gym like religiously and i love like working out mm-hmm. um and yeah it feels good to have my stamina back again right um but yeah like i i've been a lot healthier mhm so uh, i'm sure that you know when you smoke up you feel relieved and all your stress goes away and sometimes after a workout i wouldn't say it's the same feeling but you do feel good about yourself you know you feel a little less yeah, stressed definitely. so yeah. if you compare the two like that was your state of mind earlier and this is it right now so um given a choice to anyone who's watching it right now then how would you say that the latter that is when you play a nice game of football maybe or just have a good gym session so that like um the satisfaction you get after that versus the um the one with the drugs yeah so i mean at least for me uh is like using drugs as an ex- escape mm-hmm. helped in a way but also didn't because of how shitty right. i would feel mm-hmm. for doing it mm-hmm. i didn't feel good mm-hmm. about it and in my head i always knew it was temporary relief if i'm upset and i do it i'm in a way avoiding it mm-hmm. um whereas if i'm say doing a workout at a gym mm-hmm. i feel like i'm letting out all my frustration right. at the gym yeah. so i'm not avoiding it mm-hmm. and after i actually feel good and i feel like i'm 
doing it like i'm getting over it by using a healthy coping mm. mechanism right and you you're basically just adding to your problems by affecting mm. your own health and you know you're um you're adding to your problems also by you know like you think you're feeling better by mm. escape like using it as an escape but in the end you're going to feel guilty about it and mm. it's going to come back you're like going to feel is there like to haunt you kind better. of mm. yeah and you'll feel better in the moment Hmm. but that doesn't mean you've dealt with it and it's gone away like right. it's going to keep coming back so um i had a question i mean i'm not really sure but have you had any event where something's gone wrong or something really embarrassing happened something funny you know which you wouldn't have expected i mean not as such but i have made a couple of mistakes that have gone like pretty pretty wrong i would say <laughs> um where like i shut the entire music by mistake so there's okay. like a stop button and mm-hmm. i was just taking my headphone and i put it down but it hit the stop button mm. and so the music went off and you know it was for a good like 30 seconds in which the whole crowd was like you know looking What at happened? me <laughs> Everyone's just like you know, like where's the music? Like mm-hmm. what's happening? And all and you like didn't know the, at it, that time. No, like it take it took me like it takes time to like sort of mm-hmm. figure out what went wrong. Like you know, mm-hmm. there's so many buttons on the yeah. console. So like, like where did I like you know mess up? Like yeah. what went wrong? <laughs> so take that's why it took me like thirty seconds to figure mm-hmm. out like what I had done mm-hmm. and. and then i started the song so the song was playing like it was halfway through when i put it off mm. and then i started from the beginning again so that also is like a bit like yeah uh, of a mess up but um yeah and then there's been like uh, one embarrassing moment where um you know if you're playing like a commercial song that everyone knows mm. and say the chorus part of it right. you know everyone is like singing mm. and you know vibing so, yeah yeah so everyone scree- is like screaming at that part mm. so what i usually do is like i'll put the music down at that point and everyone's like screaming the lyrics and then you put it back up right but there was like a time where i anticipated wrong because i usually like because it's so scary in case they don't sing and the music just goes off at the main yeah. part um and everyone knows what you're trying to do so right. it's like sort of like that was like a fail you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah got so, it. Uh, i always like make sure the crowd is like you know singing mm-hmm. so that i know that they're going to like be screaming the right. lyrics and not yeah. put the music off like just down for those like mm-hmm. you know few seconds um and one side did it and no one like sang the lyrics so it was like <laughs> completely quiet and i was just like oh shit and i quickly like put it back <laughs> but like everyone knows what you're trying to do so it is like embarrassing mm-hmm. in that uh, moment but yeah now yeah. after that i got careful <laughs> so it happened again so who taught you i mean like as you said there are so many buttons on the console and how did you 
get acquainted with the process? So I learned under, um, I don't know if you have heard of DJ Suketu. Okay, so he's like a pretty big DJ in India. Mm-hmm. And um, he has a studio. So I learned over there. And over there, I mainly just learned like the basics. And mm-hmm. again, like what each button does. It's not as complicated as it looks. Um, but yeah, and it's not like, it's not hard to learn and mm-hmm. to understand everything okay. as it is to master it. So that all is on you. They can't help you do that. So they basically teach you how it works and you have to figure out the rest, mm. which is why in the beginning, I probably didn't know what I was doing. And that's why I don't you think took I off, played yeah, so, well. Like everyone and, must have taken that much time to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And then with experience and, Mm -hmm. you know, exposure, I ended up like, you know, figuring out like Mm -hmm. what exactly I like and what sounds good. And now it's like very easy for me. So now when you go clubbing and there's a DJ, so do you say that, oh, I could have done this set better or something like that? Does that go on in your mind? Not always, but I I do have an ear for like, you know, if mm-hmm. a mix has gone wrong, right. like I'll always point it out mm-hmm. to like whoever I'm with being like, oh, he messed that mix up. Huh. Right. They're like, oh, like we had no idea. Yeah. You <laughs> can never tell, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all DJs have like an ear for it. So mm-hmm. like they can, they can tell. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am very supportive of every other DJ mm-hmm. too who's like playing. I'll, I always make it a point to go tell them they've played well. Right. Um, if if they have played well um but yeah uh yeah yeah and uh, just to conclude what were the struggles that you faced initially so for anyone who's watching and would probably want to get into this career they should know what it actually takes in this century right now yes i could go on and on <laughs> about struggles but mainly um at least for me starting at such a young age mm-hmm. um I wasn't taken very seriously um and that was taken like to their advantage in mm-hmm. a way um and you know obviously that worry of you know you're so young like how do you right. get a gig at the club mm-hmm. uh, somehow it worked for me so I got really lucky um and then of course there's like you know you um you always have to have this is one thing I will never understand why like it's a thing Mm -hmm. but um at least in the start now for me it's not you know it's not an obligation but you always have to have a big guest list um and you need to manage that that, not the event planner imagine imagine because Okay. You're not already playing music for the people. You have to sit and plan the event while you're mm-hmm. at it. Mm-hmm. And all they have to do is make sure people show up. But you have to DJ and make sure everyone's having fun, mm-hmm. but also make sure people show up, which makes absolutely no, no sense. sense right? um, but yeah, that's a thing over here for some reason. Mm-hmm. They don't, in my opinion, they don't really take you for your talent as much as they do for how many people you can bring to the event. Oh, 
okay it's yeah. numbers like quantity versus quality kind of thing yeah yeah Damn. but now i guess like for me like i don't have to even get one person anymore mm. uh, but this is four years later i mean yeah. i had to you struggled all your way through it yeah exactly um then there's like of course working late hours mm. is you know um can be you know difficult at times yeah. um i would say um like payments getting payments on time is something every dj struggles with um because the club itself takes time to get the payment so mm-hmm. you will have pending payments for months and you have to like sit and run behind them to clear those payments okay. So but isn't it like if i am going to a club i'll pay the cover charge and i'll pay it on the spot right so they're getting the money from the people exactly yeah. but they will keep yeah. that money for themselves uh-huh. and wait till the club gives the artist budget mm. and then you get so yeah that's annoying yeah. and then obviously the fact that um even though i love what i'm doing um the a very very few times where i get to go out and be on the dance floor right have yeah. just a regular clubbing night mm-hmm. um but you know like since i was 16 and everyone my age started partying mm-hmm. i was the one playing the music for you were on the other side right exactly mm-hmm. and that's like fine with me i have a lot of fun but i did miss out on a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. of like you know like say there was like a huge you know high school party but mm. i had a gig that night oh i could you know i so like go. major events okay got it so you need to be ready yeah. to sacrifice all that exactly yeah mm. then for me also i put a lot of pressure on myself to um provide for my family mm. so you know if i had the chance to you know say take a trip mm. but i had like two gigs that weekend you would, i would okay. choose to take the gigs mm-hmm. so that i can earn the money and as you know at such a young age that that should and mindset yeah 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 like you, you should be able to enjoy your teenagers right. like having fun and like mm. doing things like a normal teenager does mm. which i didn't really get at that point mm-hmm. but definitely like i don't have any regrets there um then uh last minute changes is one mm. very very annoying right. thing um yeah that that happens at almost every every gig mm. um and then you like coordinating events as well because even though you're the dj in a way you're still part of the coordination because say you do have people coming you have to make sure that you know they they on the guest list they get in like smoothly there's no problem mm. with you know id or mm. you know entry and all of that mm. and then coordinating the set timings of mm. each dj making sure everything goes as mm. planned um yeah so these are just a few i can think of no these are head. a lot like i mean and you wouldn't probably get them anywhere else it's like only your experience which can talk for it so that's great that's great so and thank like, you so much sure. go ahead like, 
mainly it's just the pressure of like making a name for yourself mm-hmm. because um that's the only way you can like yeah go forward um there's a lot of djs i know who are talented but they don't have the contacts or they networking you know, don't yeah. have a name yet mm-hmm. that they can't you know um their career hasn't taken off yet even okay. if they deserve it um but yeah i feel like uh there's always that like worry because mm-hmm. and this is something where like a lot of people are you know mm-hmm. interested and in, a lot of people try out and like anyone can take your place like mm. a lot of the times i worry if i'm going for a one month trip mm. or like longer than that i'm like what if i come back and I, i'm forgotten or is it so easy to like, get replaced yeah yeah it really is and it's it's even more of a problem because the you know if now say i've been playing for four years my price will increase with right. time but a newbie and will be cheaper exactly so but less talented like, right yeah but they don't care about that they care so if that newbie uh... can get proud um and they'll be charging mm. less they're like why shouldn't we go with them but now luckily that i have my name and i have my contacts that i you know i i'm regular like i'm a regular mm. with like i don't have to worry about mm. that anymore but getting into it, that was a very yeah. big worry so got it got it no but i mean i'm sure anyone who's listening to this or watching this will have got a lot of like a lot of benefit from just this last part itself because i mean even i didn't know stuff like this so it's a shocker for me as well but if that's just the way it is then you know you need to know it before getting into it yeah yeah thank you so much rishina i had an amazing time like uh, a lot of new insights with this conversation and yeah. the quest for like you know inspiring people that's something i started out with and i can resonate with you when you said with your book and sharing your story so thank you so much for being here thank you thank you i had a really good time Thank you for tuning in. For watching short bite-sized videos of this podcast, follow us on Instagram. We engage with our audience and give everyone a chance to share their experiences in the form of interactive polls and a lot more fun activities happen over there. Also, give us feedback and let us know how you like the episode by sending us a DM on the link attached below or send in a mail at thestorytruck@gmail.com. Until next time keep inspiring